What's going on, everyone? It is another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's your boy, Jevin Lafave. And we got a two-parter on this episode. We got John Grimaldi coming on first to talk some NBA playoffs. He just, he was a great guest. I had three to four points for every series and we went for an hour. So, excuse me, we do have a big episode ahead of us. So, um, John talks playoffs just about every series there is and then we got Hayden on to talk some in, some uh NFL draft just kind of briefly not going not like a mock draft but we're just kind of touching on like whatever what some teams needs what team can benefit the most from the draft all that so it was a very fun episode i really hope you guys enjoy it be sure to subscribe to the youtube leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast it would it helps grow the show so i really appreciate that and yeah here is john grimaldi and hayden barton enjoy the episode It's episode 96 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's your host, Jevin LaFave, and I welcome back good friend of the show, host of, from my point of view, John Grimaldi. How's it going, buddy? What's up? Third time on the pod, I think, right? Yeah, third time. Fire. I believe. <laughs> Technically fourth after we bring it up every time, but after that shit show of a first recording and where like the audio just didn't work for some reason. True. But- true but uh how you been lately good you know grinding yeah you know it goes been writing more which is interesting but yeah i saw that um you joined like a network animal house media yeah yeah a little startup company um go check it out animalhouseusa.com uh yeah me and um a good friend of mine and uh, you got a bunch of other people involved and uh, can't even say how many of us there are, but you know, it's just, it's just startup company. We're about sports, pop culture, TV, movies, stuff like that. Um, some guys have like a hand in, they're interested in like business and stuff like that. So they'll write about stuff that doesn't interest me, but might interest someone else. So love the variety of, of topics on the website, but, uh, yeah, a little startup company, started that, attached the pod to it. Um, so just trying to grow, trying to build. Where'd the idea come up or like come from to like start it up? Where was it just like an interest you wanted to do, or did someone else bring it up and ask if you wanted to? Well, yeah, to no, it was my it was my friend's um my friend's baby. He was uh he wants to, you know, he's very uh has entrepreneurial ambitions, you know, so he wanted to start something like this up and he's the one who got all the logistics together and was able to get the website up and running and stuff. We had, we had like a a private server for a long time and we finally launched the website like last month. So uh, that was a big, that was a big step that we finally took. Um, So it's exciting to be able to have, have all that on there, you know? 
Yeah, and uh, how long has it been going? Like, how long have you kind of had your podcast network attached to it and been uh, only only a few months? Only a few, a few months? months. Yeah, we're just now. You know, we'll start expanding more into podcasts as the uh, site hopefully grows. Uh, yeah. But right now, just because I had a pre-existing podcast that I had already done for you know a couple years already. Yeah. Um, just trying to like promote it in that way. That's awesome, man. What else are you up to lately? Is that kind of taken over your life, or do you have any other stuff going on? Uh, right now it is. Yeah, I did um March Madness at CBS, which was fun. I got to meet like Charles Barkley and stuff. Uh, Kenny Smith it was awesome. That's unbelievable. <laughs> what did uh, yeah? What were you dope. doing over there? Uh, just production assistant. You know. Which is something I'm not used to TV production, but it's a job that I started um, a handful of months back. So that's been fun. Yeah, did, that's about it. How did that opportunity come to you? Did you just like find it online and you just applied for it, or was it? Do you have like? Do you know someone there and they like? Yeah, it's usually like you just you usually just know someone there. It's like a very low level job, so it's like you wouldn't even really like post it, you know? Yeah, fair enough, but. Well, I'm I'm happy I got in contact with you because I uh, it's been a while since I've talked some NBA on this podcast here. It's mainly like NFL with like a ton of the offseason moves going on. It's been pretty crazy. And then NHL's season is coming to a close. So I haven't really had the chance to talk some basketball, but reached out to you. I'm happy you came on because there's a lot to talk about. And uh, just like an overarching question. What have been your thoughts about the NBA playoffs so far? Uh, I think they've been great, honestly. Um, every first-round series has been competitive outside of, obviously, the Celtics and Nets. And those games were competitive. It's just that the Celtics won every single one of them. Um, the most boring one for me has probably been the Heat and the Hawks. And I just laugh at that series because I remember the Hawks won game three. It was 2-1 Heat, and the announcers were like, the Hawks are right back in it. I'm like, no, no, they're not. Like, they're probably going to lose tonight, and the series is going to be over, and that's going to be the end of it. Um, but other than that, like, it's been pretty pretty competitive. Uh, last night there was a couple blowouts, but, you know, that happens. <laughs> yeah. Not every game is going to be competitive. But for the most part, it's been pretty successful uh, first round. You know, not a lot of not a lot of snoozers. What were your thoughts on the play-ins? And are the teams that got in the teams that you had getting in? Or? I mean, uh, no, I went 50-50. So all the home teams ended up winning. Um, but I picked, I think, the first four games. I took, like, the Nets over the Cavs. Um the Timberwolves over the Clippers and then I, which were both right. And then I had the Hornets over the Hawks and the Spurs over the Pelicans, both those teams lost. And those were the away teams. So all those first four games, all the home teams won. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind for next year, I guess. Yeah. But um, overall, I think it was like the plan. I, I hated the plan, but, I think it was really successful this year. Um, I think it probably went as well as you could have hoped. Uh, and then the only downside of all the playing games is that 
the Pelicans when they played the Clippers for the final playing spot. Uh, Paul George was out. Yeah. Paul George that got sent into health and safety protocol and he missed the final playing game. So like that sucks because obviously Paul George is really good. And like the Clippers with him probably you can't say they would have won, but like yeah. it, it, it would have been a totally different basketball game with him in that game, obviously. Yeah. It kind of uh, tainted. But, I mean, you can look at the Pelicans now. Yeah. They're tied 2 2 with the, the Suns, who yeah. obviously lost Devin Booker, but like they're playing well. It's not like they're getting steamrolled. Yeah. No, exactly. The, I wish that like the Pelican, that's what I feel with a lot of stuff is like even with like in hockey or football or stuff, it's like, I want to see my team win, like, at its toughest competition. And so, like, the Pelicans winning without Paul George, it's like, I'd be happy, but I'd be like, can we actually, like, would we have actually won that if Paul George was playing? Because if we did, then, like, it shows that we're legit. But, like, are we kind of fraudulent? I don't know if that's the right word to say, but. Yeah, if you just got lucky. I mean. The Hawks, I mean, the Hawks think you could be in the Hawks position where it's like you win your playing games. I, I, I mean, the Cavs were the better team. All, all year, the Cavaliers were the better team and they fumbled it completely against the Hawks and the Hawks snuck in. But now they're getting steamrolled by the Heat where the others and it's the Pelicans like, yeah, you got lucky. Paul George didn't play, have a little bit of an easier time with the Clippers, but now you're playing a, a Suns team without Devin Booker, but even without Booker, there's still, that team is still better than the Clippers without Paul George. Yeah. So, and you're, you're tied to, two. Brandon Ingram's going crazy. So like works out, you know, it's a huge morale boost. Even if they end up losing the series, it's like, well, you got clearly a really good team without Zion Williamson, who was averaging, you know, like 27, eight and four last year. Yeah. No. It's a good positive sign. I'm a Pelicans fan. Exactly. No, a hundred percent. But uh, before we get and talk to about the playoff matches, I did want to talk about the three awards or like the three main awards that were given out. Like uh, Drew Holiday won Teammate of the Year, but like I'm I'm talking about like the the six major ones, and John Morant won Most Improved, Marcus Smart won Defensive Player. And Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year. What are your thoughts on all three? All three of those, and we kind of interacted on Twitter yesterday about, or like a few days ago, within the past couple of days about Ja yeah. winning Most Improved. I thought it should have gone. First of all, I was shocked that like Jordan Poole wasn't in the final three, but I I think it should have gone to anyone but Ja because he won Rookie of the Year last year. But I'll let you talk about how, like, just your thoughts on all three of them. Uh, yeah, it's so it's um, it's definitely a, a strange award. I feel like it's pretty inconsistent. Um, and I agree. I think Jordan Poole probably should have been up there over Darius Garland, who no no slack to Darius Garland. Like, I think he had a tremendous uh, year. And certainly deserves to be in there, but Jordan Poole, like once Steph went out, Jordan Poole like went crazy. Which, given that's only like a month and a half, 
So I can understand why he was the one who got left off. Um, but he was great. Darius Garland was great. DeJounte Murray, I think, should have deserved to win it. Like, should have won it, I should say. And he, like, he was, he was a beast. Yeah. There's, there's only two, I think it was two guards in NBA history that averaged 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and uh, I think like two steals a game. And it's him and Jordan. Yeah, I remember seeing that stat. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. He, I mean, the Spurs unfortunately weren't that good, but like he took, he finally became the player that a lot of people for years have been for a couple years now have been talking about. Like he's capable of being that player. He took that jump this year. I felt like he probably should have got it. It's weird that John Morant gets it because he won Rookie of the Year. He already has like tremendous expectations, like MVP expectations. Yeah, and it's just it's just weird that you give it to him and like the awards weird. Cause you look at it and the past awards before John Morant were Julius Randall, who went from being like kind of a role player to a star with the Knicks, all NBA, all star for the first time. Yeah. Like that was you win that award. That makes sense. Brandon Ingram, 2020, a young guy gets traded from the Lakers to the, the Pelicans. It's finally like quote unquote, his team. Yeah. He's supposed to be the guy. He takes a huge step, falls out, like, makes sense. Pascal Siakam, same thing. Yeah. Oladipo, same thing. Giannis is the real sore thumb that sticks out on this list, like, over the past 10. Like, the past 10 most improved players, Giannis is the only one who's, like, went from being a most improved player to MVP expectations. So, because it's, like, Ryan Anderson, Paul George, which is – I understand the Paul George one. Uh, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, CJ McCollum. Then it's Giannis, Oladipo, Siakam, Ingram, Randall, And now John Morant. None of those guys were rookie of the year. Yeah. None of them, except John Morant. So it's like, you're only in year three, and you won rookie of the year. So like, how big of a jump could you have possibly made to get most improved player? It just seems like it's an award that's kind of out there for him. Like, I get all three of those guys were young. It just felt like it should have went to DeJounte Murray. Um, as for the other awards, Marcus Smart kind of made like a, a late season push to be Depoy. I think it should have went to Mikael Bridges. I love Mikael Bridges. I'm glad it didn't go to Rudy Gobert. He's yeah. one enough of them. And I think people are kind of over his shtick, you know. Uh, I really like Mikael Bridges. But, you know, Marcus Smart is a great defender. I think he deserves to have at least one defensive player of the year award in his trophy case yeah uh so i wasn't mad at that good for marcus smart and then the uh, rookie of the year my bet was evan mobley on the Cavs, but it went up to scotty barnes which i'm totally okay with i'm just glad people didn't get caught up in like the kate cunningham stuff um because he has a lot of hype around him and but i did both of those other guys mobley and barnes were better than him this year like it just it is what it is uh, Jalen Green made a late push, but uh, the Rockets were just so, so damn bad. Yeah. So you can't really. And he, he was bad for like the first two months of the season. So uh, it was either Mobley or Barnes. My pick was Mobley, but it went to Barnes, which is fine. I like that pick. I like, I like Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I, w- I want to chime in about 
jawing because just like a thought and we don't have to like talk about it too much because you went yeah you, you get you broke it down very well but like as soon as like like in jaw's rookie year everyone was like jaw's insane like he's a, he's at least like a few ways away a few years away from like being superstar if not already and like this is already a star like this is like this is back in his rookie year like everyone knew like he was going crazy and everyone knew like the player he was going to become everyone knew he's like amazing he's a stud so it's like i feel like you can't really improve much off of that you can only just maintain that does that make sense like yeah you can improve but i don't think it's enough to like well, he took a big step. It's like, you're already like up there. But like before the year, everyone was like, yeah, DeJounte Murray, he's he's a steady player. He's not necessarily someone you're going to like heavily rely on, but like he's a solid player that you'd love to have in your lineup. And then he just went crazy this year. And now it's like, okay, now DeJounte Murray's like a bit of a, on a higher pedestal after this year going, like his expectations raised a ton yeah. going into next year. So I feel like Jaw winning was like, did he really like improve that much? Because he was already kind of like doing this in his first year. So that's yeah, why I was kind of confused. Garland and Murray, like they were both first time all stars. Yeah. It it just it felt like it should have went to one of them. The most improved player is like an award that's supposed to go to someone. It's like you're not necessarily expecting to make a huge gap, yeah. a huge jump. It exactly. from like their previous year yeah whereas Morant like people expected that jump you know yeah. John Morant was also a first time all-star this year so fair enough but it's like you kind of I don't know it's weird because I feel like a lot of people like year three year three for guys coming out of college like that's the year where you make like a jump usually for, yeah. for young young one and dud kids like they're 18 19 years old coming into the league now you're 21 years old. This is the year where it's like, okay, you're going to, you're 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 jumping up a little bit. Like yeah. things are supposed to get better for you. You have a couple years under your belt. Physically, you get bigger, you get stronger, you get faster. Like it just how life progresses. So if you're a talented pl- player in your rookie year, like John Morant was, like you expect these things. So to win rookie of the year over a couple other guys who didn't necessarily have as high as expectations as him. It just it just seemed a little weird. It seemed very inconsistent. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, let's jump into the playoffs here. We'll start in the East. Um, your most boring series that you talked about: Miami versus Atlanta. Miami sits at three one. They do play tonight. We are recording Tuesday. Do does Miami? Obviously, this is going to be released tomorrow, so everyone's going to kind of know the answer here. But I'll ask you this for tonight: Does Miami finish it off? You know, I recorded my podcast earlier, actually, also, which will be out Wednesday, but <laughs> uh, I said yes, but now it gets a little bit, a tad more complicated because when I was recording, I didn't have this news, but now you're recording, so you have it. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's out with yeah. knee inflammation, so that makes it a bit more, at first I was like, absolutely, like, in my head, I'm like, Jimmy Butler's going for 35, like, he's yeah. putting him, he, he's he's putting him to sleep, it's over. Yeah. Um, and they're in Miami, which helps things, of course, but now it, it might be a, a bit tougher, too, because they don't have that defensive anchor with Jimmy Butler, um, 
So it might be a, a bit tougher. The Hawks may be able to squeeze out another win. But in Miami, the three-point shooting that Miami has had, um, I also think it's going to be a big game for Bam Adebayo uh, and also Tyler Hero. I think I've Tyler Hero has kind of taken a back seat this series a little bit. Max Struess has been shooting the lights out of the ball. Um, and Gabe Vinson has been playing really well. Like they have a lot of guys that have been playing really well and have really taken minutes away from Tyler Hero, who was very good in the regular season, of course. So, and he's also a six man of the year award candidate. Yeah. And he just, I just feel like he has not really like been there as much as he could be in this series. No, to no fault of his own, even though he did, he shot like ass last time they played. Um, but I, I, I still think Miami wins it. Like, I, I just have no faith in the Hawks. Trey Young, outside of that, outside of game three, where they won by one point, fourth quarter, Trey Young hit the game winning shot, ended up being the game winning shot. Outside of that fourth quarter, Trey Young has been awful. Um, maybe he gets a little bit going tonight because Jimmy Butler's not there to like anchor down that defense, but I just, I still don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I think I think Miami takes it home tonight, and I do think that Trey Young will be better than he has been performing because, like, there's like they need you. Like, you can't play bad because if you play bad, then it's toast. Like, it's wraps. You're packing your bags yeah. and you're not playing another game in these playoffs. So I think he and like obviously he knows that. So I think he plays well. I th- I honestly think Trey Young, um, Tyler Hero goes crazy tonight. Just like a gut feel in my head. Like, I think he's just, yeah. I think he might put up 30. But, like, what do the Hawks need to do to come back? I, they, I don't just, I just don't think there's anything they can do, honestly. Like, it, they just, they don't, they are not equipped to go up against this Miami defense to their fullest extent. And they're just, just they're not nearly as good defensively as they have to be to stop Miami. Yeah. I just, I just think it's a total mismatch. Which is, you know, it's fine. It happens. The Hawks were able to utilize the play and sneak into the playoffs, but you still get pitted up against the first seed Miami Heat. And mm-hmm. I just, I just don't see that happening. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I think Miami's the truth this year. Yeah. So I, to I, improve I think... going forward, I think they need to get someone that can be a playmaker next to Trey Young, and Trey Young needs to play needs to learn how to play off the ball. Yeah. Like he, he can't be like so ball dominant as he has been because when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's, he's pretty much useless, like completely well, useless. Well, that's what he makes... still, like, take a book from Steph, yeah. a page from Steph Curry, Curry's just, playbook. Yeah. Just run around. Like that's what makes Steph Curry so good is like how good he is off the ball. He's so elusive yeah. and he just keeps running around and losing the defender. And then he just catch and shoot. Like that's what makes him so like versatile and it's just yeah. so hard to guard because it's like, all right, pool or Draymond, you just take the ball here and everyone just set five picks and I'll just run. Yeah. And, it's easier said than done, obviously, because you still need to find someone to like be a playmaker like that. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's not, again, it's not easy to find someone like that. Yeah. And also Trey Young has to buy into it, which who knows if he'll be able to adapt like that. And obviously Steph Curry is one of a kind player. Yeah. And everyone loves comparing Trey Young to Steph Curry, even though they're completely different, but it's the, it's the most apt comparison you can make. Like that's the kind of player that he needs to be. He needs to be able to do both. And right now he's only doing one. 
And obviously we saw the heat. They're so physically dominant. They just bullied. They've been bullying him all series. They've been bullying him outside of one fourth quarter. Well, uh, we'll shift over to the Celtics. So the Nets are the first team eliminated, which I think nobody was going to pick. They got swept for Nip and with a differential of 17 points, which I think is the lowest in the sweep. Anyone's that's ever happened but like what happened to brooklyn why couldn't they win one game yeah you know usually uh when you even if you're like severely outclassed as a team if you have a superstar on your team you're you're or at least a star player on your team you're at least good for one win right like jokic got the nuggets one win against the warriors even though they're completely outmatched yeah uh it happens. So what's weird about this game is that like a lot of them, pretty much actually all of them came down to the wire. Like they came down to the last two minutes and the Celtics literally just because the Celtics were the better team, like they ended up winning. That yeah. That's, that's just all it is like. And Durant, the first three games was just like, not the Kevin Durant that you expected to show up to these games. And in game four, he was like, he put up 39 points, whatever, 38, 39 points, whatever it was like nine, re- nine assists, seven rebounds. Like he was, he was Kevin Durant. Um, they just stay, they're just not, they're not constructed well. And that's, that's, that's all there. It's, it's really that simple. Um, ben Simmons is like, I'm totally done with him. He's just like a waste at this point. I was about to ask um, you your thoughts on Ben Simmons. Yeah, man. It's just like, I, I think everyone who, Everyone who covers the sport, everyone who talks about the sport, fans, analysts alike on television, radio, whatever it is, if you're a guy who enjoys the NBA, like I think everyone is pretty much like unanimously done with Ben Simmons and his antics. I think I, no one has any sympathy left for this guy. Um, and I did. I had a lot. Like, you know, when he was forcing his way out of Philadelphia, I didn't blame him one bit. It's like your head coach and the other star player on your team are both like this dude we can't win with this guy that's frustrating and it's embarrassing why would you want to play for them anymore like i totally understood that but now you have like this weird back problem that's completely like undisclosed you haven't come out and said anything about anything all of this is through your agent or through like uh, Wojnarowski on ESPN and Shams for the athletic, like these reporters are all saying like, you could play in the game three, but even if you don't play in game three, he's going to play in game four. Yeah. And then Steve Nash comes out and he's like, I have no idea when Ben Simmons is going to play. It's all like, it's all hearsay. Like it's all, it's all nonsense. Uh, so I'm pretty much fed up with Ben Simmons. I really don't care if he plays again or not. Like he can literally retire tomorrow. And I don't think anyone would care. He'd be like, all right, that's, that's the end of that, I guess. Like, yeah. just, uh, yeah, it's very frustrating. I can't imagine how it is to be, uh, you know, Steve Nash or even any player on the nets. Um, but outside of that debacle, they still were not constructed well enough to win a championship. Boston, top to bottom is getting like valuable minutes from everybody. Tatum's a superstar. Jalen Brown's a star. Like they're, they're all, they're both studs. Marcus Smart, Depoy, like he had a great series. Um, 
they were just they just clicked. They clicked on at, at every cylinder, and it just it's what happens, man. You just you can't beat. Has your opinion on Tatum changed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I publicly apologize to Jason Tatum. Um, <laughs> he could he could for he could he could be a guy who could be the best player on a championship team for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I I apologize. That, that was you know some you, you, you swing sometimes. and miss sometimes. You yeah. swing and miss sometimes. That's all right. <laughs> um, I am rock steady on my Donovan Mitchell take though. I he's just what's your Mitchell as, take? I hey, guess we can stinks. get to it later when he, we, he stinks. Uh, we get to Jazz and Mavs. Uh, yeah. or, uh, Jazz and Mavs, but he stinks at the at the very at the very least. He is in a horrible situation where he's asked to do entirely too much. If he yeah. goes to the right team, then he could be everything that people expect him to be. But right now, like right now, people are saying he's a bona fide superstar, which I think is like ludicrous. Like that's yeah. I, that is nuts. For me to to think that that guy is a superstar, yeah, a star maybe just given like sheer volume, but uh, yeah, I mean he 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 by far and away cannot be the best player on that team. The, the Jazz are the Jazz, you know, they're the most consistent team in basketball. They yeah. lose in the first or second round every single year. That's <laughs> put it to the bank, man. Yeah. They got a horrible matchup with the Mavs though. Like that series was close before Luca came back and now Luca's back. It's wraps. Yeah. But uh back to the Celtics Nets. I have a couple more things. Is this mm-hmm. despite like the Celtics being the second seed, people were still saying like this is the closest like two seven matchup because Nets are like lower than what they should be. Cause like I mean like Kyrie KD people are gonna be like, oh this is gonna be close. Like people thought like this is going seven, whatever. Is this a big step for Boston? Um, taking these out, taking the Nets out as quick as they did, despite the Nets being a seventh seed. Yes, I mean I think it's it's so funny with the Nets because like they are easily the most talented seven team to ever walk into the playoffs, easily. Yeah, and they're also the most talented seven team most talented playoff team to ever get swept in the first round yeah it, it, so it, it's weird because you look at like well through the, the seven c like you can look you'll look back and people will look back in 30 years who aren't even alive at this point like, and oh, they'll two, look seven, back seven, and, that makes sense like they'll be born now and they're in 20 years they'll look back and be like oh well the celtics swept the nets in the first round when it was a two seven matchup who cares and then when they look at the rosters they're gonna be like wait a minute how did this happen yeah. um it's just going to be like one of those weird things. But uh, I think the Celtics, the East is, is like a, a very difficult road. I think for anyone that is trying to get to the finals, because you got a lot of heavy hitters. Um, and there, there's been this shift obviously in the NBA where the East was kind of a joke for about a decade straight. And LeBron ran the East for 10 straight years and just got to the finals every year. And the West was the competitive, like the Warriors got there a bunch, obviously, but it was also super competitive and people actually had to take it series like six, seven games to get there. And in the East, it felt like LeBron was just dominating for so many years. Now there's been this shift where it's like, okay, the West 
the top three seeds, at least in the regular season, were all very good. And then you had a drop off from four, five, six. And then the play in teams all had under 500 records. I think the Clippers might have been like one game over 500. Uh, or no, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves were over five. They were like 10 games over 500. So my bad. But there's like a huge, there's a huge jump yeah. from those teams. Whereas the East, one through the top six teams were separated by like two games. Which is insane. Yeah. So it's like super competitive. Um, so for the Celtics to take out the Nets first round, like that's probably going to be their easiest series that they had all playoffs. And the fact that they got done in four games, they have an extended time off now. uh, Gives Robert Williams a lot of time to heal because he's been, he's back, but he's been in limited minutes. Um, But now given this entire week or so off that they have, uh, he's going to be able to heal up and he'll probably be starting in round two again. Yeah. That foul on Tatum when he fouled out, like that was terrible. I just wanted to note that. Yeah, that was that was whack. It was I a whack that, foul to get called out on. Um, I thought kinda, that was so soft. Yeah, you're like, is that Adam Silver hates sweeps? That's what my friends were saying. And so <laughs> this kind of felt like he was going to be. Uh, it was. It was, and the you know the Nets were making their their comeback. They were making their push, uh, and for him to foul out there was like, well, now it's like now you you know the Nets are going to win, but. Yeah. They, they held strong even without him, man. They held strong even without him. So it worked out. Is you can tell he was frustrated, though. It happens. Yeah. Is, is Steve Nash on the hot seat? Oh, yeah. I mean, most, most definitely he's on the hot seat. So I think he deserves to lose his job. No. He was given a shit hand. Like, bad. Real bad, right? And the Kyrie stuff was a whole mess total circus um given a full season together without any of the COVID nonsense like the Nets probably would have been a top three seed in the East uh pretty easily obviously Kyrie playing like 30 games or whatever it was wasn't great for them uh so it's you know it's tough they have a lot of questions this off season, what's going to happen with Ben Simmons? Kyrie Irving has an opt out, and if he opts out, he's going to ask for max money again. Which I think, it, I think if he does that, if you're the Nets, you go tell him to take a hike. Yeah, go 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 allocate that money somewhere else to help Kevin Durant. Like honestly, it, unless Kevin Durant says to you, if you do not sign, re-sign Kyrie Irving, I'm walking after my contracts up. Then you're pretty much tied at that point. In my opinion, I think you say both of you get lost, right? I, I'd trade both of them. Yeah. But can't really do that. So, yeah. Uh, tough situation. So you have, you have Simmons, Kyrie's contract, and Steve Nash. I personally don't think he was ever equipped to deal with the personalities of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just because he's – he was a great leader as a player and a great point guard and all that. But it, it, Steve Nash doesn't strike me as the guy with the personality to thwart other big personalities. Yeah. Like Durant is very much like his own guy. 
And Kyrie Irving, as we've seen, sticks to his beliefs. Yeah. And Steve Nash doesn't strike me as the guy to kind of say, enough is enough. I'm the head coach. You know, especially because Kyrie Irving came out and said, like, oh, we don't have a head coach. It's a it's a collaboration effort. Like, that's a jackass thing to say. But yeah, it's clear that Steve Nash doesn't really have, like, the stranglehold that he needs to have as a head coach. I, I personally have no idea who could possibly take over instead of him. So that's a huge problem in and of itself. I mean, Kyrie says he wants to manage a team, so just give him – he wants to manage the Nets next year, so yeah, just give yeah, the yeah, yeah. coaching job to him. <laughs> well, uh, we'll move on to the Bucks versus Bulls. Bucks are up three-one. I feel like we can kind of breeze by this one pretty quick, but um, do the Bulls have any chance of coming back? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. I, I don't think they're coming back. No, either. no, 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 no. Um, Levine just entered health and safety health and safety protocol today, so he's in danger of missing the next game. It, even if he plays, it's the Bulls. Great start to the season. Yeah. And, you know, the first 55 games of the season is probably the only reason why they're actually in the playoffs. Um, because it, it saved them because they were, they were horrible. Like the last 30 games of the season, they were. Yeah, because they were a six seed, right? They just, they just. They, I mean, uh, they were they were in first place for a long time, and yeah. then they they dropped down. And they were still like a top three seed for a while, and then they just kept sinking and sinking. And they, I think they got into the the they missed the play in by like two games, two and a half games. That's insane. Uh, and the Cavaliers were ended up ended up in that spot, or the Nets and the Cavs ended up in that spot, but they just barely missed out on the play play in because they they were just so bad. They yeah. were just so bad, and. uh it's clear that that's that that's carried over. Um, getting matched up with the Bucks round one was like the worst case scenario for them. Like they would have been better off playing the Sixers, yeah, uh, it, or the Heat. Well, then they would have to been the playing honestly if that happened. But you know what I mean. Like yeah. the the Bucks were just like you got no one on that team that can even remotely guard Giannis onto the Kubo. Not even no one even yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it, it's wraps for Chicago. Yeah. Five um, games. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it's wraps. I don't think they're winning a game, but uh, we'll go to the Sixers and uh, Raptors. Raptors are uh, playing frisky now after uh, Embiid completely jinxed it when he uh, talked to Drake at the end of game three and said he's come for the sweep. And then Phillies hasn't won since that, obviously. But Scotty Barnes returns. James Harden is up to his typical playoff performances. He hasn't necessarily been the guy that they traded for. Give me your rundown on this uh, series. Um, I think if they lose game six, they're probably going to lose in seven. Uh, game six is in Toronto, and then game seven would be in Philadelphia, but – Embiid is clearly having problems with his finger. Uh, he's got like the tour ligaments in his hands. It's clearly very painful for him. On it doesn't top sound of that, comfortable either. So yeah, I mean, clearly uh, hinders his shooting capabilities. Yeah, finishing at the rim with his left hand, I assume, is very difficult as well. 
handling the ball in general is probably not super comfortable for him. And then on top of that, he gets the shit kicked out of him every single time he's on the basketball court and he just does not nearly get as many free throws as he probably should be. Like he gets pounded every single game by these other guys who are like elbowing him and hit Like he's falling to the ground. He's getting right. He's getting smacked. He's just not getting any, not nearly as many calls as he probably should be getting. Um, so he's getting beat up. He's already injured. And then on top of that, you have James Harden, who's just I, – I don't know what's wrong with this dude. I really don't. Like, playoff – past playoff performances aside, he's at least been a guy who's like, he's going to shoot. Yeah. Right? He's going to shoot. He's, he's going to shoot his threes. He's going to get to the line. Like, he's not doing any of that. Nothing. Um, and Joel Embiid's in problem. his problem last year with Ben Simmons was that Ben Simmons was not – aggressive in the playoffs he kind of like regressed into his little shell yeah. and like he he wouldn't shoot the basketball he wouldn't take initiative he wouldn't do what he was doing all regular season and now James Harden since he got to the Sixers he's been definitely more of a facilitator type of player but you got to think the old James the old Rockets James Harden just a couple years ago is still in there somewhere yeah right that could reach into his bag and and hit several step back jumper step back three pointers jumpers floaters in the lane stuff like that and it just feels like he's not doing that now he doesn't even try it feels like uh stan van gundy said that he's not a good finisher at the rim anymore which i was like wow live tv you got a dude saying jane like maybe he is really washed maybe it's not all yeah. in my head right he he might just be fell off a cliff uh, you know he's not the same guy um and it's, it's just bizarre to me uh, how how quickly, you know, he had the hamstring problems with Brooklyn. Um, and he, he was kind of the old James Harden with Brooklyn, hitting his jumpers, getting to the line, hitting his free throws. And then the NBA kind of took out that rule that he always manipulated and stuff. So that definitely took his free throw attempts down. But in general, he was still James Harden. Yeah. with the Nets, and then he got injured with his hamstring, and it just feels like he hasn't been the same since. Now with Philly, I said Embiid's problem with Simmons is that he would aggress into this shell. He wouldn't be aggressive. That's what he needs from James Harden, and James Harden's not doing it. So yeah. Embiid's probably punching a hole through the wall, asking what does it take to get another guy to want to score the damn basketball? Yeah. Because that's what you need right now. You need James Harden to go out there and score 25, 30 points, and Embiid can kind of take a little bit of a backseat, you know, and get his, his 20 and 10, he gets 20 and 10 in his sleep. So he can do that, but Harden needs to step up, get 25, 30 points. Who are you going to rely on? You're going to pass the ball to Tyrese Maxey. He's too young. He's not built for this yet. Yeah. Tobias Harris is wildly inconsistent. What, like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I think if they, the best case scenario for them was to sweep Toronto and bead gets like, 12 days off and then is able to like rest his hand and heal a little bit. Now you're looking Toronto has all the, they have all the cards. They have all the momentum and you're looking down the barrel of a gun of a, of a game seven that you might not win. Yeah. I, if it goes to game seven, I don't, why would you have any confidence in winning game seven? Given the state of your team? 
Yeah. Like you have to win game six. I don't care if it's in Toronto. You have to win game six. No, I totally agree. One hundred percent. It just seems like they're kind of falling apart and and beats just like, bro, what do I gotta do? I can't just he do needs help. Like, I what yeah. do you need to do to get help to this dude? Like he, yeah. he, they're tr- I applaud the Sixers because they are trying so hard to help Embiid and the guys that just keep coming up are are they're just fumbling. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, it's bad. Well, uh, we'll shift over to the Suns and Pelicans. Uh, Devin Booker is hurt with a calf strain. Uh, Devin is maybe the baby's fault because he, it happened after he fist bumped it. Uh, GTA Grand Theft Alvarado. This guy's an absolute menace. I like, I I hate him so much, but like, I honestly have no other reason to. But besides, he's just like someone who I would hate playing against. So like yeah. that's the only reason why like I hate him is just because gosh I have PTSD from some of those guys. But honestly, he's just he's a coach's dream pretty much. And then like we've said, Brandon Ingram is finally taken he, first playoff, uh, first time in the playoffs, and he's just absolutely going crazy. He's going nuclear these past few games. So I want to hear your kind of breakdown on this series and just should the Suns be worried? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I am a Phoenix Sun believer. Uh, I've always been a champion of Devin Booker. Yeah, that's my guy. I, that's my dog. I felt bad, like he got hurt on such a whack play. He he has had hamstring issues in the past. Um, even this season, he he had a left hamstring injury that kept him out like a couple weeks. So that it's alarming that it's another hamstring issue. And it happened on such a trash play. The kid's hustling after Jackson Hayes, who's like going for an easy breakaway dunk, and he just pulls up, hurt his hamstring. I hate when that stuff happens. Like yeah. basketball is, is so stupid when stuff like that happens. Um, but it happened. I think the Suns definitely should be worried, but I think they're all right. I, I think six games. Six games? You think they win the next I, I two? said it last week when Booker got hurt. Um, six games. I, I think they win tonight in Phoenix. Are they playing tonight? Yeah, right? Yeah. They win, tonight, they win tonight, Tuesday in Phoenix, and then they win at this Moosey King Arena in New Orleans on Thursday. Pelicans put up a fight. For sure. I think it's probably going to be a game like game three was where it kind of came down to the closing seconds and the Suns were able to seal it. I think we'll get two about two more of those. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm not counting the Suns out. I'm not. I won't. Yeah. So, uh, And Alvarado is just take, he's just taking what CP3 does and, and applying it to his game just being like a menace uh, that guy who's like always chirping in your ear. He's doing the stupid stuff where he's like hiding in the corner and then running up and trying to steal the ball. Like he's playing in middle school basketball. Right. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's working. So, I mean, I would hate him too. Most people hate Chris Paul who, when they're not on his, when they're not on your team, you know, yeah. when he's not on your team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I applaud the rookies. Herb Jones has been spectacular for the Pelicans. Exactly who um, I was going to bring up. The yeah. rookie on New Orleans. 
He's unbelievable on the defensive end. He just yeah, the he's blocks great. he's going off is just it, it's crazy. So yeah, he had two block jump shots, which is yeah. like you never see those it's a lot. Like stupid. You don't see those often. Yeah, yeah. So I applaud the Pelicans because they're playing. They're given the because um, the Suns are the best team in the league this year, right? They mm-hmm. had the yeah, so they're giving the best team in the league a run for their money, and they're like, show us why you're the best team because technically, Pelicans are playing with house money right now. Like they're playing with, they got nothing to lose, so they're like, they're just they're beaten down on the Suns and just like like mentally and getting in their kitchen even during timeouts and like breaks and stuff. There's they're knocking them off their game. So shouts out to the Pelicans, man, because like they're, yeah. they're gonna run for their money and. I, respect, I think I respect the hell out of them for doing that. I honestly like it is a bit sketchy because if Zion was healthy, even with Devin Booker, I think the Pelicans like that's a tough matchup. Yeah. For the Suns. Uh, and the Pelicans are already dominating them on the boards. I think DeAndre Ayton needs to step up a little bit on the defense on the the rebounding area. Because Valanchunas has kind of just been gobbling up every rebound he can get. Uh, we did see Aiton pop off the other night, though, so that was good to see. Uh, uh, more DeAndre Aiton, more Chris Paul. Yeah. And, and that's what they need to win. Mikael Bridges, I would like to see him get more involved in the offense because uh, I know he can. But this, the Suns, just everyone needs to contribute for the Suns because Devin Booker is a shot creator and a shot maker. Yeah. Right? He doesn't need anyone else to help him. He could score from literally every single spot on the floor. The Suns don't have anyone else that can do that. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, on the Pelicans end, you have Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and they have other guys that can that can get their own shots, other guys who are contributing. And to be fair, guys who are playing far beyond, I think, what their normal capabilities usually are. But when your star player is putting up a bunch of points, that rubs off on you, right? That's how sports go. When you're playing around guys who are playing out of their minds – you get you get a little bit of that residual effect, yeah. and it, it definitely helps you out and with your confidence and and with the the morale, and it keeps your spirits up. Yeah. How is Zion doing like windmills and through the like dunks pregame, but he can't give them like ten minutes a night? I don't know. I think I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's the organization. Um, they want to keep him out, but he wants to play. Well, I don't really – I wouldn't say that. I don't think he's fighting to play. Um, yeah, that situation is is getting a little Ben Simmons – a little too Ben Simmons-y for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's got well, to uh, – he's got to, he's got to figure it out. He needs to play 70 games next year. Yeah. I'm, I'm missing Minimum. Zion on the card. 70 I'm games. Mi- I'm missing him out there. But we'll go to Memphis T-Wolves. Um, T-Wolves are – just like showing what their future holds right now, like how exciting their future should be. Pat Bev is playing that Alvar- Alvarado type beat. Like, or I guess Alvarado is playing that Pat yeah. Bev type beat. Yeah. Because Pat Bev's always been that guy. Um, Beverly's the progenitor of that. Yeah, that's exactly nuisance it. kind of player. Exactly. So, what do you what do you take from the series, man? Because Grizzlies had. A lot of people said that like it would like win the title or at least like at least go to the finals or maybe represent or like be in the Western Conference finals. Should they be worried about and like how the T Wolves are playing? Like what's this conference uh the series look uh, like? Uh 
I, I think the the Grizzlies being the two seed was definitely a uh, it, it was a bit Surprise. of like a yeah 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 I mean they they definitely played I think above their pay grade for sure and I don't see them getting out of the second round. Even if they do advance past the Timberwolves, I just I don't see them getting out of the second round. Guards like John Morant typically don't have the best playoff success. Um, yeah. He is not confident in his jump shot at all. And if you have any sort of competent big defensive big man, he, you're gonna you're gonna get beat up. And John Morant's not a big dude. I know he can jump really high, and I know he's really fast and super explosive. But we've we've seen this before, right? Everyone says we've never seen a player like John Morant before. We sure have. We for sure have. 2012, Derrick Rose, like yeah. that. That's who John Morant is. Very inconsistent jump shot, very explosive guard who can pretty much get to the rim however he wants. But in the playoffs, when things slow down a little bit, and you're going up against bigger guys, and there's a little bit tighter of a whistle or looser of a whistle, I guess I should say, you're going to get beat up. And every time I see this dude go to the basket, he's on the ground afterwards. Even if he doesn't get touched, he just flings himself out the rim, it feels like. And I'm scared he's going to get hurt. I really knock on wood. I hope he doesn't. But, yeah, you know, it's – the Grizzlies are very young. They have practically no one on their roster with playoff experience outside of, like, Kyle Anderson. Uh, so – even if they somehow squeak past the Timberwolves, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose in round two, which is fine. Obviously, like I said, their best player is like 21 years old. So it is what it is. But I like the Timberwolves in seven, personally. Uh, I just feel like both of these teams are super young and it has all the makings of going seven games. Yeah. But – I think the Timberwolves just have – it's all about the Timberwolves' mindset because mm-hmm. mentally I feel like they have a lot of guys who falter. Um, Carl Anthony Towns specifically, sometimes you can you, – we saw it already multiple times this series. He is very frustrated, and sometimes he just decides to put his head down and be a bully, but you're going to rack up offensive fouls like it's no one's business when you're doing that. Yeah. So he needs to just – we saw it last game when they won. He had his best game of the series. Just needs to stay within himself, not get frustrated. Don't try and overpower the people who are guarding you because, again, you'll rack up offensive fouls. D'Angelo Russell had an off-night shooting. That probably won't happen again. He's pretty consistent. And Anthony Edwards is – he's borderline a star already also. Like, he's a stud. So it has all the makings of going seven. I personally think the Timberwolves are going to win. This, this is going to be the upset, right? We haven't had an upset yet. We're looking at a couple with the Pelicans and Suns, and this, this one also, a couple two seven upsets. Um, I mean, well, Pelicans and Suns won one eight, but this two seven matchup here is a, uh, it's brewing for an upset. I feel like, and we we haven't had one yet. So, yeah, I could see two wolf seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warriors Nuggets. Jordan Poole, the third splash, bro. Jokic is just trying so hard to <laughs> yeah. keep up and, like, do everything. Yeah. And, like, Steph coming off the bench, like, three games in a row, he's been coming off the bench. And 
something I wasn't like never thought about doing, but like I kind of respect it. It's like, I mean, if Jordan Poole's going crazy, let's just keep Steph fresh and like not tire him out. Like I kind of kind of respect what they're doing. But uh, what are your thoughts on the series, man? Yeah, you know, Steph buys into that, which it like the dude is the most selfless superstar I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, doesn't care who's like, it welcomes Kevin Durant with open arms and lets him take the reins as like kind of, you know, the best player on the team. He plays off ball very willingly. Um, he's the best, Steph Curry. Uh, but in terms of the series, I think that the bench stuff probably ends after this series. Yeah, I agree. Minimum. Because, uh, I mean, Steph's coming off the bench, but he's still getting like 30 35 minutes a night so he, he might as well be a starter um, he's not he's not starting but like he comes on within like three minutes yeah of the game. yeah 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 yeah. and it's like and pool the nuggets shut down jordan pool last game that is something that they probably said all right enough is enough yeah this this kid's not gonna torch us anymore and it it worked but you know steph kind of still popped you still have to worry about steph and clay thompson and andrew wiggins had a great game uh they ended up losing um, but again, Jokic is a superstar and you're good for one. If you have a guy like him on your team, Jamal Murray, uh, I can't remember the last time it took this, uh, someone this long to come back from an ACL tear. It's been a minute. Uh, hasn't it almost been a full year? I think it's a little over a full year now. Yeah. So it, it's concerning. I think for sure. I don't really know what his status is. If he's playing full, like five on five and stuff, if it's, you know, if they're just kind of taking their time with it or whatever, but uh, clearly he's not coming back for this playoff run and it's, it's wraps, you know, the Nuggets got one at home. Good for them. But I, I think the Warriors are, they're, they're cruising. Yeah. They're cruising. I agree. Uh, final series, uh, Dallas Mavericks and Utah Jazz. Uh, Jalen Brunson played a hero in Luca's absence. He went banana lands, um, uh, like when they needed him most. Uh, and like, like what? So Jazz are in a position to lose. They're down three two. Mm-hmm. Should they blow it up if they fall? Yes. Uh, this. This team is not constructed to win a championship. Um, and, and the worst part is you gave Rudy Gobert $40 million a year. You Which gave Donovan Mitchell. It's disgusting. You gave Donovan Mitchell $33 million a year, which honestly, I, that's fine. I'm not, but basically my point is you're paying two guys nearly $80 million a year. And both of them only play one side of the ball. Yeah, I know. Mitchell only plays – Mitchell can't play good defense and – or at least not consistently. And Rudy Gobert is – A rim protector. He looks like a middle schooler when he has the ball in his hands in the post. Yeah. If, it, if it's not an alley-oop or a put-back layup or dunk, he's completely useless offensively. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the Jazz – Need, the Jazz need to blow it up because it's not working. I don't know what you're going to get for those guys. I don't know if you're going to keep one, trade the other, trade both, keep both and say, screw it, put the blinders on, and we're just going to keep going. Because you'll – you'll. 
again, most consistent team in basketball. You can keep this team as currently constructed. Maybe one guy walks, you add in another couple of players, whatever it is. If the same core remains of like Clarkson, uh, Mitchell, Gobert, and, you know, what like Bogdanovich, I guess. If you keep those guys and, you know, insert a couple other player, players for the next two, three years, you're going to be a playoff team and you're going to get eliminated in the first or second round. That's yeah. just how it's going to go for you, right? So, no, yeah, I think they should blow it up because um, they, they're not winning anything. They're not even going to get to a conference finals, let alone the finals. As for Donovan Mitchell, I get on that dude a lot. Um, I think he's shoots the ball way too much and he'll turn the ball over. He'll be wildly inconsistent shooting and he doesn't nearly facilitate as much or get to the free throw line. I think as much as he should. Yeah. Inconsistently, he gets to the free throw line. He hurt his, I think it was a hamstring issue again. Yeah. Third guy for a team goes down to hamstring, which sucks. Obviously you never want to see that. Uh, even with, even if he's healthy, the Mavericks win this, this series, it's over. Uh, without him, the Jazz shouldn't even show up. Just forfeit the game and <laughs> call it a day. Um, but for him, like, he would benefit playing alongside two-way guys. Like, the Jazz have no elite two-way player. If he was on a team like, I talked about this on my podcast and I ran through some teams like the Raptors. If Donovan Mitchell was on a team like the Raptors, you're not asked to be the sole offensive generator and you don't have to be that good at defense because yeah. you have OG Ananubi, you have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet for his size plays better defense than Donovan Mitchell does. And they're like practically the same size. Um, and Scotty Barnes now. All three of those guys, all four of those guys really are two-way players. Yeah. They can score the basketball. They can play off ball. They play great defense. Like, they're long, athletic. Donovan Mitchell is not long. He is super athletic. He's pushing 6-1. And he's a high-volume shooter right now. He just, I think he, he has way too much pressure on him in Utah. Way, 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 way too many expectations and way too much pressure. Everyone's crowning this guy to be a superstar. He's the one who can lead the Jazz forward. He's just, he's not that guy. And not everyone is. So I'm not like totally blaming him or like shitting on him for that fact. It's just, it is what it is. And I think people need to start like realizing that. Because if he goes to a team that's like very well constructed, he's going to immediately become more efficient and just play better. So he needs a change of scenery for sure. I don't know who the hell would take Rudy Gobert's contract. So he's probably staying in Utah. Donovan Mitchell is the trade piece to get other draft picks and young talent or whatever yeah. for the future of the Jazz. But you're stuck with Rudy Gobert because yeah. no one is taking – no one's sniffing that contract. Yeah, when, he, when I saw Rudy get signed for that, I was like, wow. I don't really see him doing much besides – protecting the rim and like i know it's valuable but i want a little bit more than no than i mean three times 40 three times depoy yeah. is nothing to scoff at like yeah. it's very impressive he is easily one of the best defenders in the game but 
I've seen him more you're not versatile. Play. Yeah, exactly. You're not He's versatile. Very like you're you're a shot blocker and you're a rim protector. You can't do anything on offense. And when the playoffs come, you're kind of a liability. Yeah. He has shown year in and year out that he is a pretty big liability when the playoffs roll around. Yeah. Well, uh, one last question to end this off here. Is this just as much of a crucial playoff run for Luca as it is for Utah? Yeah. Yeah, I think the Mavs, ever since they got rid of Porzingis, you know, Porzingis was kind of the uh, – the the dead the dead plant that had to be ripped out from the roots because it was uh making everyone else look bad. Um yeah. he shot Porzingis. He he was shot. So you need to get and clearly he was not meshing with Luca at all. Um and now I think without Porzingis, the emergence of Jalen Brunson um and all the other role players that they have, all those guys have really bought into the fact that Luca is the guy and he makes everyone better. There's no need for the Dallas Mavericks to have a quote unquote second star. Luca is the offense. Luca is the the team. Yeah. He he you go where he takes you. Yeah. He's that talented and he's big, right? This isn't just this isn't like a, a six three, six four point guard where you need a wing player or you need a center to complement your play style. Lucas six, eight, like he's a, he's a big dude. He'll go, he'll rebound. He'll dish out assists. He shoots threes. He gets to the paint. He draws fouls. Like he does everything. So if you surround him with other shooters, you surround him with big men who can protect the rim and our lob threats. Like that's all you need for a guy who has, is as big. It's kind of like LeBron, honestly. And you know, LeBron's like six foot nine. He's way more athletic than Luca, but not the same player, but I'm just saying like, he's a forward who acts as your point guard. When you have something unique like that, you don't need another big man to play second fiddle to you. You just need a bunch of role players who are really good at what they do, whether it's playing defense, shooting threes, being a second backup point guard. Like that's fine. I feel like a player Um, like Buddy Heald would. Buddy Heald would be unbelievable on the Mavericks. Yeah. He would be unbelievable on the Mavericks. Um, but once they got rid of Porzingis, I felt like that was like finally the spark that was like, okay, we are now able to fully mesh as a team. And they're, they're showing it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavericks got to the, the conference finals. I'd be so happy to see him in the conference finals. I'm not quite sure with a healthy, the healthy Suns and a healthy Warriors team. I don't think the Mavericks are just good enough to get past those two guys. But they can give them a run for their money, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. But everyone else, I think they're, they, I, I I like the Mavericks against pretty much everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on. This is a lot of fun. Um, Thanks for giving me your time. Uh, Let the people know where they can find you, find your work and just, just watching your progress, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Let the people know of where course. they can find you. Uh, at underscore John Grimaldi on Twitter. Also at Point of View Pod if you want to find the uh, podcast. Um, at Animal House 
underscore USA on Twitter as well. AdamMilesUSA.com is the website. You guys can go check out a bunch of other people writing on there. Um, solid startup company. Show some support. And uh, yeah. Wicked, man. So uh, the pod isn't quite finished, you guys. I'm going to have Hayden on for a little bit to talk about the NFL draft coming up. So stay tuned for that. John, once again, thank you so much for coming on. And I'll uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely, bro. Always a pleasure. All right. You have a good one. And ladies and gentlemen, here's Hayden Barton. And now welcome back. HBART13, Hayden Barton. How's it going, my guy? Kermit the Frog here. Oh, fuck. I can't do that voice. <laughs> man. My throat hurts too much. You got to yeah, change no. that voicemail, my guy. Um, fuck no, man. I love it. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, man. Other than being sick and re-injuring my back on, uh, I'm presuming what it was on Friday. I don't know what I did. I did something to it, playing spike ball. Probably didn't stretch enough. Yeah, probably. You're like 80 years old already. I know. 22 is the next fucking 85, you know? Seriously. How how long do you have to stretch before you do any sort of activities? Fuck, I never used to have to stretch before, but now I'm going to have to at least do, like, my football routine before I do anything nowadays. (laughs) Is that, like... 10 minutes, 5-10 minutes of stretching? Probably around 20. Oh. I do the full body, yeah. But it's like, who the fuck wants to stretch for 20 minutes before they do anything active? Yeah, I set... Uh, <laughs> I think it was 2021. Like, 2020 going into 2021. I had a New Year's resolution that I was going to stretch for 15 minutes before bed every night. Mm-hmm. I think I got to January 3rd, and I was like, yo... This ain't happening, son. No. <laughs> Not at all, dude. It's it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, stretching is just so boring, dog. It is. I, I can't do it. No, no, not at all. It is probably the most boring thing ever, especially when you know your buddies are just like, "Come on, like let's fucking play." And you're like, "Hold on, I'm doing lunges, okay?" <laughs> and then you still like pull something. Uh, and the guys who didn't stretch at all are just walking fine. It's like, maybe it's just me and it's not the stretching. <laughs> <laughs> oh am, I the, am I the bra- am I the problem? Am I the drama? Probably. No. But um, I'm, uh, I'm not just a podcast host anymore, Aiden. Yeah, you're not just a podcast host anymore. I'm, I'm a radio host now. God damn. For a week. Huge, huge steps in the right direction for you, my guy. For a week. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. It's like it is the practicum given to us Mm -hmm. and just for the BCIT radio station. But it's fun. It's it's a it's kind of like tough because it's the one you have to prep for the most. Because like the news and sports, you basically can you can use the same stories for the three times that you're on for the three spots that you're on. 
mm-hmm. but it's like you just have to rewrite but you have an hour to rewrite i have to like have 10 bits prepared and like different sweeps every time i come in i have to prep that the night before so it's a lot yeah. man it's a lot of prep but it's it's a lot of fun it's kind of annoying though because the store like the bits that i do and like they're not long they're like 30 seconds but the bits that i do i've had like the same song like tomorrow's gonna be the fourth time i've had to build a story off that same song <laughs> and i'm like son <laughs> i can't how am I supposed to make any more off of this one? Cause like I use the songs to help me like relate it to something I've done. Yeah. Or like, something you've watched like to, on what today was. Yeah. Like today <laughs> I related ship of lies to like playing battleship with my mom, like years before and just like how insane she was at it. Like just something like that. Yeah. But I'm like, I've already done this song three times. How am I supposed to do it anymore? That like, what one else person am I... who's listening like in the morning and, so, and hears you like repeating or like coming up with a different story. It's okay. You're lying here. Like, there's <laughs> something fishy. <laughs> That's not true at all. It's like, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Messages you uh, personally. It's like, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah. So why are you straight capping on the radio, dog? <laughs> i'm like i don't know what to tell you but no it's it's a good time it's definitely some like this is gives me a taste of like what it is and it's like this is it man i'd have i'd have a blast doing it hell yeah man i wish there was like longer periods of time before because you have to like manage the time like yeah it's like i'm over by six minutes so, like, what is slotted in the log is six minutes over the hour. So, say it's 10.55, but I have three songs. So, it's like, I'll mm-hmm. be over by, like, four minutes. So, I have to, like, delete a song or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so, like, managing that can be kind of, like, tough. And the sweeps were, like, that was blank on Evolution 107.9. Here's whatever. Like, that's a sweep. on the allotted time like the log that's zero seconds so no matter what i say i'm going over time so it doesn't help me and like there's like there's like a ton of those every hour right so there's like four or five every hour so managing Mm -hmm. the time is one thing that's like pretty tough but i'm loving it that's awesome man yeah i'm excited i'm excited for it but enough about me and like my potential success as a certain <laughs> no <I'm> kidding <laughs> your rise to fame already yeah no i'm i'm totally kidding but um anyways enough about me let's uh let's move on to some nfl because there are there are some headlines that have come out within the past say month and uh there's been other stuff that have uh been more important to talk about but i want to start with debo uh, Debo has come forward and has told the San Francisco organization or the 49ers front office that he wants out. He has requested a trade and 
it's very interesting because he came out and said the reason why he wants to trade is that he doesn't want to be used as a or like maybe not the reason, but he stated he doesn't want to be used as a running back anymore. Yeah, because that kind of brings down their value. Yep. And can just be like harder on the body, too, because like exactly. So because that's the shortest career. Yes, I'm pretty sure average is running back. Like they could be out yeah. in like two years, two and right? a half years is the average running back. Todd Gurley, guy was an MVP, and two seasons later is not on a team. Like, yep. So stuff like that. I understand where Debo's coming from. He's drafted as a receiver. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll. Anyways, and like his contract's coming up, and with the receiver market, he's gonna want to get paid deservingly. Mm-hmm. So. What's your whole thing about um, this Debo situation? Like John Lynch has come out and said, like, we have no intention of trading Debo, which I've always found weird. It's like your player legit doesn't want to be there anymore. And you're like, we're not trading him. It's like, well, you're gonna. Yeah, he, no, the right else, offer comes along and you're going like, to. Yeah, it's like you're going to trade him because he just won't play. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. it's like. <laughs> either like, get why wouldn't you rather get like assets, assets from, exactly like yeah, get assets no. and like whatever so i i always find those funny where it's like some guy blatantly comes out i don't want to be on this team anymore and then the manager's like no it's like well okay <laughs> yeah we we have no intention of trading you oh well that's cool then i'll just sit out a season here yeah and then wait for free agency to come up so and you won't get anything exactly so, yeah, so I uh, and I'll I'll shut up here. I'll let you take the floor, but just to set you up, what do you? What's your whole opinion and angle on this Debo Samuel situation? Well, first of all, I you hit the nail on the head with everything that you said about him. You know, the whole longevity, the uh, usage. And honestly, I think it has to do a lot with the money. I know he said that it's not with the money, but you know that they're not offering him Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill money because it's like, oh, well, we use you as a running back. And running backs, the highest one gets paid uh, just over $16 million a year in Christian McCaffrey. And look at that guy. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's played injured. like six games in like two seasons. Exactly. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, I get where Debo is coming from. And it, the smartest thing to, for him uh, would be to leave if he wants actual money. Um, because the way that, you know, the 49ers run their offense is just, it's, it's so unique in that way. And hot take. By me, I don't think Debo finds success anywhere else that isn't the 49ers offense because, like, yeah, he's good at receiver, but he's so much better when he has the ball in his hands 90% of the time. And if you're a running back and you scored, I think you scored eight touchdowns last year, why wouldn't you want to just stay with this team? I get the whole longevity thing, but – I, a lot of teams aren't going to be paying you that much or trying to trade for you if, you know, you're kind of quitting. Unless a team's ready to just give up uh, so much at the start of their season. So it's it's tough to see uh, exactly where this is going, but I think he's gone before the season starts. 
Like, do you think he's a receiver traded on draft day? <clears throat> Not on draft day. I after say... oh, before it would be like I don't think he's traded within two days. But so you think he's traded between post draft and the season? If it's not before the season, then he'll stay. He'll probably play out his last year with his rookie contract, and then he'll leave. Deadline? Uh, I don't see Depend- deadline. No, d- d- maybe depending on where the team is. Like, say think- San Francisco has a disappointing season. Do you think they trade Debo? If that, hypothetically that speaking, that could definitely be the case, but I feel like there's more uh, receivers out there that you could try and trade for. Uh, one of them specifically being uh, DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> he's more of the universal wide receiver type, you know, and Debo it's, it's, it's so interesting with him just because of the position and the role he plays, which is why I think he's gone before the season to a different team. And definitely after the draft. Yeah. But it would be it would be fucking sick if Thursday night comes around and we see that the 49ers are now on the clock at like position 10 and the Jets have traded for uh you know Debo Samuel because they have two first round picks and then one or I think two next year or one next year. Yeah, they they got assets to oh yeah yeah and i know the jets were uh, a top landing spot for debo so yeah. it could very well happen i would say like i always throw new england to any wide receiver because we need one but we just wouldn't bill wouldn't pay debo like he doesn't no. give money out so any good receiver on the market isn't going to new england maybe when debo's like 35 we'll get debo (laughs) (laughs) but i think it's so hard to like outbid the jets right now oh because young quarterback just a young roster in general yep they got the cast base and the assets to give up it's it's almost like kind of written in stone that it's either 49ers or the jets yeah, almost, especially since it's Robert Sala, you know? Yeah. Former uh, defensive coordinator from the 49ers, so. And, like, he'll be able to kind of work in Debo to not necessarily be a running back, but maybe work out of the backfield, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Or, like, wide receiver screens or end arounds or just quick drag routes, slants, any sort of, like, wheel route type deal to kind of just get him into open space because I think that's I think Debo is like works the same as Tyreek where they just excel catching the ball in stride and I think that's where Debo will find his success is beating the cornerback off the line and just Kind of just like outrunning him because Devo's so talented. And if it wasn't for Cooper Cup's like historic season, and I guess Jonathan Taylor's, but Devo's like third or fourth to win like offensive player of the year last year. Yeah, no, definitely. So like the talent's there. And 
I like, I think he deserves his money. It's just a matter of 49ers are going to pay him. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's 49ers or Jets, which sucks because mm-hmm. I don't want the Jets to be better than New England. But if they get Debo, then they just might. But we'll see. We'll see. Depends where Zach Wilson uh, takes a step in his development in that case. I think the, like the last like six, seven weeks of last year was a great sign for the Jets nation. Like he looked good, but won me, won me a fantasy week with that fucking like 60 yard touchdown run. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I do think Wilson takes a step up next year. I don't think he's going to be anything like crazy, but I think he's going to show more consistency next year. Yeah. Where he might not, he might not like make any, he might just look more like an NFL quarterback, like a steady, like confident quarterback. He might not necessarily make any of the like Aaron Rodgers, Allen Mahomes type throws or like his pro day throws, like that type of thing. He might just look like, he looks like he's improved as like a professional quarterback, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's why I think like a better Teddy Bridgewater sort of thing. Yeah, like I think he improves on like his mechanics and just like overall like discipline. That's the word I was. I think his discipline improves more than like any of his stats. Yeah, no, I could definitely, I could definitely see what you mean there. So. It's a. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Debo, and I think, I think Zach could, like, he'll thrive with Debo. So, it'll be. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens, and uh, we'll go to a different receiver here, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, his uh, his contract's coming up as well. Does he leave? No, no. They'll they'll re-sign Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I. Uh... I feel like it'd be such a backward step for the uh, the commies if they didn't re-sign McLaurin. Like he's so raw talent-wise, you know. Like everything about McLaurin, you love. Yeah, he's great on the inside, great on the outside. All he needs is just consistency, and he hasn't had that. He's had a different quarterback. Like <laughs> every, every year has been in the league. <laughs> exactly. So you get him like one. Yeah, Wentz might not be the answer, but you're going to need to give him an actual quarterback that stays with him for maybe two or three years to get that chemistry or else it's never going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I say he gets re-signed, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's like almost like a a way out after one or two years. uh, Front-loaded. Exactly. And I, I say he'll probably get around like, 25 mil, especially since there's been nothing sort of coming out report wise that he's like mad with the organization. I just think it's because of Debo and DK kind of showing a little bit of frustration as well as AJ Brown. But I think AJ Brown also gets his bag. Mm -hmm. The thing with McLaurin, he's the type of receiver that you build your team around. Like he, like you, you hit the nail on the head when he can do everything you need to do in a receiver like he's he's good in the air he's like i'm not gonna try i'm not gonna repeat you on everything but he just does everything well and the inconsistent and like uncertainty 
at quarterback that Washington's had the past few years isn't helping his development, but he is still like shown that he wants to be on that team. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think Washington will be dumb if they don't resign him, give him whatever he wants. And like, if DJ Moore is making 20 sheets right now, McLaurin is, I think way better. He's, he's way better than more. So I think he's got to be in like the mid to higher twenties. Like he yeah. has to, cause He's produced with like shit quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot. That's like D hop days in like Houston until Watson came around. Right? Like D hop was performing with like Schaub, Osweiler, like these hosers at quarterback. And then Watson came and then D hop was just like obviously a step above what he was. So like if you give McLaurin like a steady solid quarterback who can like make consistent plays he's gonna he's gonna have like a career resurgence he's gonna have like a career like d hop where he just like elevates even more than like we thought ever could happen so yeah no i agree I so agree. Uh, yeah I, th- I think you you don't washington can't fumble this like they no, no pun intended but uh yeah mclaurin mclaurin's that dude so you got to keep him around. One kind of surprising receiver that I saw, um, a rookie last year, didn't play a lot last year, but I've been seeing a lot of smoke around Kadarius Tony. Yeah, me too. I Apparently just... he didn't show up to like the, uh, the weight training day or whatever and like some of the practice days. And I was like, huh? Like, what is, what is this? <laughs> And Kadarius Tony, man, like, holy shit. He, when he has the ball in his hands, he almost, like, looks like Tyreek Hill. Yeah. In that way. Like, he just. He's I don't a straight-up playmaker. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, totally. And so that one I just wrote down in there. And I think uh, if a team is, like, trying to make a run, especially since he's on a rookie contract, uh. Like, if I were, let's say, Green Bay, you know? New England. (laughs) Don't have to pay him for a few years. He's a first-round pick. Yeah, like, literally with any team that needs, uh, like, a playmaker at wide receiver, if they're willing to give up their first-round pick for the next year, I would do that 100%. Yeah. And because Mac Jones doesn't have the most, has the strongest arm. So a guy that you can kind of just give the ball short to Kadarius Tony and just let him make a play. Like, I think that fits perfect for him. And Kadarius Tony fits that card. So I'm not going to be that guy. Like, it just like, Tony just makes sense for New England. Like, that's like the type of receiver that excels in their system. So I'm not going to be like, Darren Waller, New England. It's like, no, that's just not going to happen. But, like, that's, like, a realistic one where I can actually see, like, it happening. But Bill's the type of guy that likes to, like, wait till everything settles and then pick the scraps. Yeah. And then draft another Nikhil Harry in the first round. (laughs) Try and play hero and draft a fifth-round cornerback in the second round. It's like we don't ever see him ever. 
No, but, no, yeah, the Kadarius Tony one just came from the clouds. Literally. Yeah, something I was not expecting. But AJ Brown, uh, he's been pretty vocal, and he had like this interesting, like passive aggressive tweet saying, "He's like, oh, now I'm like a bad teammate and dramatic or whatever." Mm-hmm. What was that? Yeah, no, I uh, I don't really follow too much of AJ Brown. Like he's great receiver one obviously uh it's just hard with you know i don't know i feel like he's kind of injury prone and yeah you know it's hard to sign someone who hasn't i think he's only put up like one full season so it's hard to say necessarily but like i said i think he gets signed before the season starts tennessee would be absolutely stupid if they don't re-sign him you know, especially since they have a pretty decent wide receiver too now with uh, Robert Woods, you know, kind of like that possession guy. So A.J. Brown can be like their big, big play kind of guy like he was or like he has been. Yeah. I love me some Bobby Trees and I hope he comes back and like is the same player he was because I think he can. He's just a good, solid receiver. I agree. And it's it sucked when I saw him tear his ACL because I'm like, that, that man does not deserve a torn ACL. He's been nothing but a gem in this league. And uh, Tennessee got him for, what, like a sixth-round pick or something? Yeah, like, I think something ridiculous where I yeah. thought he was going to go for like a third. Yeah. So just I, because of his resume. Yeah. So I think that like having that A.J. Brown, Robert Woods tandem like you brought up, like I think that could be – very solid. Great and, play action stuff right there. And also, like, Robert Woods is the type that, like, does, like, the end arounds and can even, like, come out of the backfield. Like, basically, mm-hmm. like, a Walmart Debo. You know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Which can take a ton off of Derrick Henry, which mm-hmm. cannot create more play action, which can open more space for A.J. Brown. Yep. So, yeah, I think they got to bring him back because AJ Brown is just like that threat on the outside that DBs takes the best DB out of the equation. And he can also, he's not just like a decoy, but like he can make plays. So, I agree. I, yeah, it's just that the injury stuff, it's scary. Breaking news uh, Melvin Gordon has just re signed with the Broncos. I mean, why wouldn't you after Russell Wilson comes back? <laughs> and Melvin Gordon, I feel he's the most overhated running back in the league. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, just he's ever been... since, ever since, uh, you know, Williams has come in there, it's just like, okay, Gordon Leaf. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, even why? Bef- even before Williams, when Philip Lindsay was on there, people were talking about Lindsay over Gordon. I'm like, are people not watching him? Like yeah, he's only... he's a consistent like eighty yards, two touchdowns, like every couple weeks running back, and like he can break off for like hundred twenty and a touchdown. Like he's produced oh, over yeah. the past like five years, and he hasn't really like he's been consistent. Mm-hmm. 
Where did it come? Like, kind of, kind of ruined it for me. Was Eckler was because it's like, I felt like Eckler had juice that Gordon didn't when he was injured. You know, and yeah. That's when he ended up leaving, but like for the past couple of years, no, I totally agree. But with like, like, but that's nothing on Gordon. That's just you prefer Eckler over Gordon. But that doesn't diminish what Gordon is. It's just Eckler's better. Yeah. No. Literally. Yeah. Like and it's not by a big margin either. Yeah, like Gordon's still been producing, and people are just like, "Gordon's trash." I'm like, "How? He's better than like, like I don't. I've never understood it, but I think that's smart on because like that's the thing nowadays is having like, not like a backfield by committee, but like having two dangerous running backs is like, is elite. Yeah. Yeah. Because, no, totally. Because it's one of the, like we said, it's the shortest career span as a running back. Yep. Right? And anytime you can take some touches off of a running back, but still have an elite, that's like a 1A, 1B, like Javante, A, B, Melvin. But yeah. like Melvin Gordon as a B running back, you laugh. Take that every day. Opinion. So I think, that's a, I think that's a great signing, in my opinion. And yeah, smart with by gordon because he's like no no more lock and i we got i got russell wilson yeah literally yeah so fucking rights anyways where were we what were you we talking about <laughs> oh we just finished up with uh some receivers aj brown yeah but we just basically finished up with him yeah uh dk metcalf so there's been kind of speculation, you know, obviously Seattle's needs to rebuild. You know, they traded Russ, got some assets. They're not competing in that division for years to come. Oh, my knee. Um, do you think DK Metcalf's off the Seahawks? Uh, this is this is one thing I kind of said earlier. I think he I think he gets traded um at the deadline to a team who is looking to just take on uh the last part of his contract just before he goes into free agency maybe kind of makes a run that's where i kind of see uh dk going for so it's like a team trading for him when they're they need like another receiver maybe their one a goes down and it's like all right, we can give up a we can give up a first this year, and it'll be worth it if we win the Super Bowl. That's how I kind of see it going out. I don't think he gets traded right away or, or before the season, but I definitely think he gets traded during the season, especially if he's producing with Locke or Smith or you know, if they draft someone. I kind of see it going that way. But I don't think he's coming back to Seattle. So, Ian, if you're listening, sorry, but it's going to be hard, especially if Seattle's not winning in these next couple of years because you're wasting his prime. Yeah, I think the DK situation is a matter of, like, it'll happen when it happens. We're not going to go and force it. We're going to wait till the right team situation offer comes along. We're not going to force to trade him. He's going to 
play his hardest until he's out. So, uh, yeah, it's just like they'll just wait for the right opportunity. And I think I obviously think Green Bay should trade for him because they just lost Tay. But what team do you see Metcalf on? Oh, man. Um, I feel like Green Bay is just kind of like the obvious thing to say, especially since they just lost Devontae Adams. But I think Green Bay will kind of be smart this year and maybe go after like a a veteran and then draft a receiver in the first round. So, excuse me, if I had to guess where Metcalf goes oh man that's that's really like a an interesting question I don't want to say that he'd be traded into the NFC especially in the NFC West um I mean I've kind of I've kind of seen Philly being a potential spot since they have equity this round uh that'd be great for Hertz I like I like Philly yeah, that was one that I that I had kind of heard, and you know, it just it almost makes sense, you know, like yeah, going from like a young or uh, going from no quarterback to a young quarterback now, it just I don't know, like something about it just kind of clicks with me. Obviously, he's not going to anywhere in the AFC West, the NFC. AFC North, like maybe. Depends, you know, it's not going to Cincy, maybe Cleveland, but I don't think Cleveland wants to take on any more money. <laughs> True. Fuck it. Houston Texans, man. <laughs> Yo, DK would be like, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah, literally. Now, Dina, what he he got money mills, baby. That's all he exactly. needs. Exactly. Like that's what that's what that's what Davis Mills needs. He needs a, a receiver that you know, is like that. Like Brandon Cooks, they just re-signed him two years, uh, 40 mil or whatever. So who knows? Yeah, it's going to be super maybe, exciting. Maybe the Colts with Matty Ice. <laughs> What's up? Can you hear that? Yeah, I hear... Uh, I hear him barking. Yeah, Dodgers going banana lands upstairs. What does he see? Probably a mailman. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But um, is it like loud? Because no, it's not that loud. I literally had to like kind of just focus in on what you were hearing. All right, it might just be more prominent because it's like happening in my house. But uh, let's go to the draft. So the draft is happening the day Thursday, the day after this uploads. Now, I'll be completely frank with you. I'll be honest. I haven't looked into this a ton. So you're going to be my guy on this. And we're not going to do a complete mock draft. We're just going to do a quick, like, not necessarily run through either. We're just going to kind of, you have some teams prepared. And I just want to ask you, like, what team is relying on this draft the most? Like, what team is going into this and being like, this is where we like fix for the future or build for the future, or we're going after this player. 
what are some teams that you've prepared and like kind of give me some reasons why we'll kind of build off that. Well, I'm going to be blunt here, but it's every team that doesn't need a quarterback, you know, like every position that they'll draft will basically be depth positions. Yeah. So like a good example, uh, what I think are two teams or even three teams that uh, this could be a hard draft just because they almost feel like they need a quarterback. Uh, Carolina, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh. Um, I know a lot of people say New Orleans, but the media honestly just kind of gets away from you, I feel like, when it's like they just signed Andy Dalton to be the backup to Winston. I think it's been very clear that Winston wanted to come here. You know, he took a huge friendly kind of prove-it deal and he could go out after one year. And that's kind of like what Mitch Trubisky did. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because obviously Mitch didn't play last year because he was behind Josh Allen. So, and I know Mike Tomlin has been really linked to Malik Willis and potentially moving up, which is good. But yeah, so every team who doesn't need a quarterback is basically looking at depth in yeah. this area and i like to consider them like i said all the bottom 10 teams yeah so you got both new york teams who have multiple first round picks you have detroit multiple first round picks you have the texans who have the third overall pick and the third overall pick for them is going to be so nice because the first two picks are kind of a toss-up with hutchinson and walker so it's like Houston can really go anywhere, you know, and um, they've been linked to maybe Sauce Gardner, uh, a corner. Sauce. Yeah, I know. What a what a name. Huh? What a name. I take him first overall just for the name. Just because of the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you got what people are saying is the best prospect in Kyle Hamilton, uh, the safety from Notre Dame. And he is an absolute like freak yeah he moves sideline to sideline so smoothly he has a big range and then this draft has so much um depth at the trenches huge Mm -hmm. edge draft huge interior draft and the only one that really uh like isn't part of it is the center i haven't really seen a lot of centers being projected um high up and linebackers centers and linebackers aren't really like anything too flattering uh but then every team who could use a receiver i.e uh new orleans i.e um new england i.e green bay there's so much receiver talent and the, the coolest part about this one is the fact that a lot of people have their number one receiver as a different receiver. You got Drake London, who's a six foot four uh, field stretcher. You got Traylon Burks, who, in my opinion, is the best receiver in this draft. A 6'2, 220 physical, just demon. You got the o- OSU brothers, basically, 
Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, basically like looking in a mirror. They're so silky smooth with their routes and their hands. And then you got some sleepers like Jahan Dotson and Christian Watson, who could maybe sneak their way into the first round just because of their uh, elite speed and elite hands. So it's, it's going to be awesome to see uh, where every team goes. And this is a record setting eight teams that have multiple picks within the first round. Wow. That's eight absurd. Teams. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Uh, what quarterback is first off the board? Malik Willis. Malik Willis? Yeah, that guy, he's been comped to like, like the not the speed, but just like the versatility of Lamar Jackson and the arm strength of like Mahomes or Allen. Oof. Yeah. So that's good. And I hate the whole Kenny Pickett has small hands. Fuck that. Okay. Like Joe Burrow had small hands too, and he just went to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, okay. Kenny Pickett's hands are like, if you could see mine right now, they're like an inch and a half smaller than mine. And it's like, is inch and a half that big? <laughs> no, but um, I see a lot of people building up hype around Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral. So if a team in the mid to back end of the draft is looking for a quarterback and there's like a two or three quarterback run at the top 10, then you can see, I think four go in the first round, but I I hate the whole narrative where people are like, Oh, you know, this is such a bad quarterback draft. Okay. Why are they going in the first round then? Like if it's yeah. so bad, and next year is supposedly going to be better, then why why waste a first-round pick on any of them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And they're all from small schools. Like, the biggest one, it was Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter. <laughs> and just because they made it to the playoffs last year. Yeah. So I, I don't get why any team would spend such a high pick. On a quarterback they don't, don't believe in. Exactly. Especially when if you tank next year, then you have a quarterback in your midst. Yeah. I'd rather build depth at a position than drafts a quarterback I don't believe in. Because quarterbacks like the anchor to your offense. Yep. That's like what you build your team around. So why would you waste such a high pick on like I'd rather I'd rather do like a Houston Texans thing and like draft like Davis a uh, Davis Mills in like the latter half of the draft just to maybe like make him your own kind of thing like you can just like develop him and he can just kind of play in if you need him to and then yes. just and then just like sign like a Andy Dalton just to kind of like obviously he's signed but like I'm talking about like a quarterback like him like Bortles is on the market now. So yeah. I mean like hey. Kaepernick. Like just yeah. Like just draft someone to kind of just hold the place for a year so that you can maybe wait for a better class. 
Exactly. So I don't understand. So I'm I'm with you. Like, yeah, it might not be the strongest, but to say it's bad is kind of misleading because if they're so bad, they wouldn't be going in the first round. The only reason exactly. why they'd be yeah. So I um like I listened to like Monday morning quarterback with uh what's his name? Not Palmer. Carson Palmer's brother, right? No, that's uh, Jordan Palmer. He does something else. Oh, it's uh. Let me search it up real quick. But he did. He did like a whole um, breakdown of every like, like the top five quarterbacks. Okay. And his, I think his, uh, like Kenny Pickett's the most pro ready. Yeah. And I think he said like the best quarterback is. Uh, Willis, yeah, I think, but then he said one that he would stay away from is Cincy's Desmond Ritter, yeah, yeah, just because his discipline isn't the highest. I'm trying to find this, but I can't. If that's if that's the knock on a quarterback, his discipline's not like more more, uh, strict enough, it's like Josh Allen wasn't very disciplined coming into the league. Motherfucker came out of Wyoming. You think he was doing anything except throwing up like 60-yard bombs and throwing inaccurate passes? Hell no. Yeah. Guy was trying to make a name for himself. So if it were me, the only – like I'll say this right now. As a Saints fan, I've heard so many people saying, oh, the Saints have ammunition to move up in the draft. I find that so dumb considering, A, the quarterback talent. Like, if we took a quarterback at our position that we have at 16 or 19 in the first round, I'd be fine. Yeah. Whatever. I don't want to trade up both picks when we clearly need more than just a quarterback. No, I I agree. Like that. Yeah, no, I just. Oh, man, I can't. I can't fathom that idea but if we got Pickett at 19 willis at 19 ritter at 19 i'd be happy those are the only three i'd be happy with if they drafted corral or howell in the first round i'd be like what the fuck are you doing yeah in any other draft he would be a third overall like i would take golf rookie year over any of these guys (laughs) uh canucks just scored Let's fucking go. And uh, they're in their uh, back and black jerseys. Ooh. Yeah. We love to see those jerseys. Yeah. I think it's Sheldon Dries just scored. I may have just completely butchered that name. I know it's Dries. I, I, I forget his first name. It's just a little two on one short side. But um, no, I'm uh, oh, sorry. I... Yeah. Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're down. They're they're not making the playoffs. But I just want JT Miller. He's four points away from a hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, he's at ninety six points. So and there's three games left, including this one. So goddamn, I want to get. That's all I'm really. That's all I really care about. Like we're. I'm not expecting us to make the playoffs. I just want JT Miller to hit a hundred because I think that'd be cool. The accolade, of course. But yeah, Hayden. I think that's all I kind of got for. This we talked about some draft, and actually one quick question: Who do you got going number one? 
Who's Jacksonville taking? If Jacksonville was smart, they would do something to protect uh, Trevor Lawrence. Do you think they could trade down? <coughs> because I, uh, I... Yeah, but if you're going to trade down, <clears throat> then you might as well just go BPA, best player available. And if that was me, <clears throat> I'd be calling up my lines to go and get Aiden Hutchinson. That guy, and oh my god, people saying T Rex arms. Look at the guy's fucking like videotape yeah. from this year. This guy, who cares? He was going up against pro ready tackles this year, and he's destroying them. In one game, I think he had four sacks. Wow, Is that good? <laughs> against like Ohio State. So, yeah, I think I think uh, I think it should be Aiden Hutchinson. But you think they protect the quarterback? The smart, this is kind of like how I felt about Kyle Pitts last year, <laughs> where Atlanta should have gone defense, but they ended up taking uh Kyle Pitts, yeah, fair. And the same thing kind of with Jamar Chase and then taking Sewell. But uh, if they're gonna be if they're gonna go out and try and knock it out of the park, it's either gonna be Hutchinson or Walker, fair enough. Well, uh, JT Miller scored. Oh, my God. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He just scored while you were talking. But, no, Hayden, this has been a great little segment here. I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving your insight on the draft and the whole wide receiver market with this Metcalf, McLaurin, uh, Debo um, whole debacle. But let the people know where they can find you, follow you, do whichever, DM you, slide in your DMs. Uh, let yeah, people know, brother. Football. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, at Hayden underscore Barton on both Instagram and Twitter. TikTok at HBart13. But fuck TikTok, man. Holy shit. I've seen some funny ass content lately. Seriously. It makes me laugh. I've sent you some absolute heat. But yeah, no, that's where you can find all my socials. And uh, you guys know where to follow me at Jevin.Lafave on Instagram, uh, at Jevin.Lafave on Twitter. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LeftSideHeavy underscore. You can also listen to me on BCIT Radio from when you're hearing this till Friday. Uh, I'm the on-air personality from 9 a.m. to 12 on uh, 107.9. So... If you want to do that, that'd be cool. Uh, if you're listening to this, but you want to watch it instead, you can watch this episode and past episodes on YouTube, Left Side Heavy. Be sure to subscribe, ring the bell for notifications, um, like, comment, do all that sorts of jazz, and leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcast. It really helps grow the show. Hayden, I appreciate you coming on, my brother, as always. And shout out to John as well for coming on the first part of this episode. He was an absolute soldier, uh, my dog from New York. But uh, anyways, uh, we will see you guys next time. And peace.
grade.